Small disciplines, big results. That's what we're on, habits. We've been in this, well, this is our second week. And we are second week into the new year. This is a great series. Now, just in case uh, you got the impression from me that I've been resistant to New Year's resolutions that I mentioned last week, that's correct. But I don't want you to get misinformation. I'm not trying to steer you away from New Year's resolutions. I'm actually trying to steer you towards making new systems, starting new habits, starting fresh with the idea that, oh, now I think I could do it, rather than what I said was, oh, I'm not going to make New Year's resolutions. I've failed in the past. I'll fail again, so I'm not going to even try. That is not the message to hang on to. The message to hang on to is, we of all people have the equipment to take steps from wherever we are to where God wants us to be. Jesus Christ died for us, took our sins upon himself, and rose from the dead and released the Holy Spirit into our lives with resurrection power to be able to change some things. All right? So that's an exciting starting place, but what I want to emphasize is that it's not about New Year's, it's about life all the time. So if you had a bummer of a week this last week, welcome back. We have habits and systems to work on still, and that's what we're talking about today. Week two, starting new habits. Now, I would suggest that if you're starting new habits, these are good ones. Because next week, we're going to talk about stopping habits, and we're not stopping good habits, we're stopping bad habits. That's next week. So, the difference between who you are and who you want to be is what you do. Some people think the difference between who I am and who I would like to be is I'm missing some information. I want more knowledge. Listen, a lot of us have knowledge. We know we should be doing some things differently. It's not what you know. It's what you actually do. And what you do is a system. Researchers estimate that 40 to 50% of our actions on any given day are done out of habit. Think about that. Half of what we do, we don't even think about. Half of what we do is already established patterns. And so there are things that we probably ought to unestablish, (laughs) dismantle, and there are things we need to add to that because we are creatures of habit. Now, I know the room is a little bit crowded, so maybe this won't really work, but I'm just going to try it anyway. How many of you are sitting in the same seat you were sitting the last time you were here? Creatures of habit. And... You came a little late and it was really crowded. And how many of you are bummed because somebody sat in your seat? All right, so there you go. All right, let's just up the ante a little bit. How many of you would have been, well, you're actually even still seating yourself within three or four seats of where you like to sit? Creatures of habit, that's us. We have, and how many of you know why you like sitting there? Okay, sometimes we have these habits. We don't even know why. We just like that. That's what I'm used to. That's what I've done, okay? So we are creatures of habit. Now, this is really helpful because if you didn't have these kinds of habits, God has designed us to have these kinds of habits. Can you imagine if you had to think about every single choice and decision that you ever had to make? It's like, we would be going bonkers. It's like, we got to drive our car. Okay, how do I? Okay, I got to put my key in this way, turn it. 
clockwise, that's right, clockwise, and I'm going to put it into reverse. Oh, no, brake first, then reverse, right? You're going to think about everything. It's like nobody thinks about it. You know, and if it doesn't go into reverse, oh, yeah, brake, right? It's like, and then here you go. It's like those are all just now, you don't have to think about it anymore because it's already in your system, which is great because now I can drive and do something else, pray. Plan the next message. God can hit me with a, whoa, that's a good one. I wish I could write this down, you know, that kind of thing. So we have this beautiful thing called habit. Let's take advantage of it. Do the best we can. It's also obnoxious sometimes. It's like I drive away from my garage. I'm heading down the street. It's like, oh, crud. Did I shut the garage door? And I have to turn around because I don't know. I got to turn around. I go back around and I look. Yep. I shut the garage door. It's like so automatic, I don't remember that I shut it or not shut it. It is always shut. And I've had to turn around and check like 15 different times. It's like, not again. I can't remember if I shut the garage door. Anybody else like that? Okay, good. I'm feeling like I'm all right. Now, much of what you normally do isn't a result of conscious choices but the result of daily habits. So let's, let's just get this working for us, and that's an important feature that God has designed us to be able to function with more and more systems, because if your systems are in place and you don't have to think about them, then you can actually do more, be more productive, and enjoy uh, even more spontaneity because you're saving so much of the wasted effort and time because now you have habits that take care of all that wasted stuff. So... I'm going to just kind of have a shotgun approach and hit multiple different kinds of habits today. If it sticks, it's not me. It's the Holy Spirit going, come on, come on. All right, so here's one. Um, Keep a daily gratitude journal. Now, this would be really helpful if you are a grumbly, grumbly person. And you are often just, things happen all around you and you rarely even think of saying thank you. Here's a suggestion, keep a gratitude journal, keep it really short, just bullet points, I'm grateful for, I'm grateful for, I'm grateful for. Write down one thing you are thankful for each day. What you appreciate, appreciates. This is really good for relationships, folks. Really good. If you're no longer appreciating and expressing your appreciation, what you depreciate, depreciates in your estimation, and that's what it feels like to the other person too. So say thank you. Get better at saying thank you. Get better at not being grumbly. And we of all people have gratitude should be the core descriptor of who we are. Because if you have been saved by the Lord Jesus Christ, your sins are taken care of, you receive the power of the Holy Spirit, you have an eternal future with God, he helps you with every challenge you have, any fear you have, he's with you. If we have the Almighty with us, why am I afraid of this thing? He's for me. So we of all people should be getting better at the habit of becoming grateful. It's habit, folks our thought patterns. Point number one, based on who you want to become, what one habit do you, do you need to start? All the heads now going down, grabbing the pencils and erasing the printer down. 
Wait, nobody's like even moving to their outline here. I want you to move to your outline, think this through, because the Holy Spirit might be saying, even right now, based on where, who you want to become, what one habit do you need to start? Now, you might write something down now, and God might change it later. That's okay. But be thinking about this whole message for you. Now, this point is actually a review from last time because last time I said, don't, don't actually write down your goal of what you want to become and what habit you're starting. Right now, I want you to spend this week thinking about who you want to become because who you want to become is so huge in motivating the system that you need to establish and start. Now, once you write down this thing that you want to start, I would encourage you to connect it with a really big why you want to start this, okay? Now, here's a not so big why you want to start. You know, it's like, here's just like, uh, I think I want to get in shape because I think I want to look better. That's not a big thing. It's like, what? You want everybody to gawk at you like, whoa, you look awesome. That's not real big why. Now, let me just share from my life. About a year ago, I had a health scare. Fortunately, it was just a scare. But I needed to make some adjustments. And the adjustments are addressing the issues that were the scare. All right? But then after you adjusted, you're like, ah, I don't want to do this. This is really a drag. I don't want those adjustments to stay with me. I need motivation. As I was reading those books that I recommended last week, it's like, oh, my. That's what I need to do. I need to connect it with a bigger why? Why am I doing these adjustments? So it's more than I want to be in shape. It's more than I want to be healthy. It's real, that's too nebulous. Okay, I started thinking about the fact that a life that is dedicated to God has this kind of exponential thing going on. Like, think of the Donimos. Bigger and bigger, bigger things are taking place in your life. You're affecting more and more people and a bigger impact for eternity. Imagine if the largest part of the impact, the exponential impact of my life is the last 10 years of my life. Imagine if that's true. And what if I don't keep up the... Then the biggest impact of my life could be cut short if I cut off the last 10 years of my life, whenever that might be. I could literally be affecting thousands more or thousands less because of their impact on somebody else beyond that. Make it a big why you want to do something so that it honors God in this way. And as you get more and more motivated with the specifics, it's like, yes, I need to do this thing. See, make it connect with a big why. Here's a review. Goals don't determine success. Your system determines success. So even if I say, I want to live 10 years longer, if I don't change anything, that doesn't do anything. I have to create a system that's all that, so that that system works together to have the effect that I want it to have. Now, before we go to the next slide, I want to give you some background. Last week, I kind of teased you, if you were here, we're going to look deeper into the life of Daniel. I teased you also, just in case you want to look where the life of Daniel is found, you look in not just the Bible, you look in the book of Daniel, right. We're going to look there in a second, but I want to give you background because we're going to jump right into chapter 6, which surprisingly enough is towards the end of Daniel's life. The book of Daniel doesn't go in chronological order. He jumps through themes as he chronicles his stuff. So we're going to jump into chapter 6. It's the end game of Daniel's life. So here's Daniel's life. When he was a student, how many students are here? 
Okay, I'm talking high school, middle school, uh, college, uh, young people, okay? This is pay attention time because this is huge. If you can get a hold of this, Daniel's life, when you are faithful in small things, God does huge things with that faithfulness because Daniel, when he was young, He had the trauma of living through his city being besieged by an overpowering nation called Babylon, superior power and armies, and they besieged the city and basically took it down. All this was a fulfillment of God's prophecy that if you don't follow me, this is going to happen. You're going to have to go off into exile. And Daniel, as a very young man, traipses off into exile and is hauled out of his own hometown and taken off to Babylon. Now, he was chosen among other noble youths. Now, when I say noble, I mean they're from the nobility. They're royal. They had been trained. They had been educated. They're smart, and they have tremendous potential. And so the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, chooses these young people to reprogram them. He's going to give them his food to wow them with his technology and his power and basically say to them, you need to let your God go. It's obvious our God's bigger. Our God is better. If your God was really strong, you'd still be in your, near your temple. Your God would have proven himself to be true. And all of this propaganda is given to him, but Daniel holds firm and he will not relent to the Babylonian thinking, the Babylonian reprogramming. He says, no, God says to eat this way. I'm not eating your rich foods. And he tries to negotiate and he is so doing the habits of his system that he rises in levels that is unheard of, the outsider becomes head of state to a foreign country. And now we enter into Daniel chapter 6. What you may not know is that we are 70 years later. Daniel has outlived Nebuchadnezzar. He's outlived the next king, Belshazzar. The kingdom itself of Babylon has been overtaken by the Persians. Now the Persian king Cyrus is in charge. The Persian king Cyrus sends Jewish people back to their land in fulfillment of a promise because they've been faithful and asking for forgiveness and sent them back. But Daniel's too old to go and he still has a a role to play here. And so then we enter into Daniel chapter 6, and here's what we read. Verse 3. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps. Say what? Satraps. These satraps are the noble rulers of the Persian Empire. I skipped verse 1 that says there's 120 of them. But Daniel, who is an outsider, not even Persian, is chosen because of his character, his wisdom, his amazing stature, that the foreign king recognizes him, and watch what he does, by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him, Daniel, over the whole kingdom. How happy do you think that made the satraps? Not so happy. And so, teenagers, pay close attention. A life that doesn't take on 
the tragedy and doesn't carry a victim mentality but stays firm in your commitment to God rises in this false system we live in. We currently are just like Daniel. We're living in exile. We are citizens of another country and this world will say, no, that can't be true. This world will say, no, you need to think this way. But if you stay faithful to God and are like Daniel... He's going to take you and change the world. And he took Daniel and did this. I I could connect so much more, but I want to keep going here. Verse 4. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel and his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. We're going to find out in a moment which habits he had in place where he was so stable, so strong, and grew in such character. What were the habits that he had? We're going to discover that in a moment, but before we do, here's what happened. Verse 5, finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. Ding! Idea. Deviant idea. The satraps get together and say, here's what we need to do. We need to have a law passed that says his system is illegal. Then we've got him. And so they talk to Darius, and they say, Darius, now look. We've got this new regime. We've got all these different belief systems. We need to consolidate everybody underneath your rulership. Let's just for 30 days make one rule. You can't be praying to any other God. You've got to just pray through the king who is the agent of God. And so you pray to Darius. Darius says, good, that's a good one. Pray to me, huh? Okay, let's sign it into a contract. And the law of the Medes and Persians takes effect. All the publications have gone everywhere and it's gone public. Nobody can pray to any God except to the king. We've already seen this play out in Daniel's life earlier. Read the book. And we'll see what happens. Jump to verse 10. Now, when Daniel learned that the decrees had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. That's an important point that we kind of go get lost over. I'll come back to that. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God. Now, here's the key. Just as he had done before. And that's what the satraps are counting on. (laughs) If we make it illegal for him to pray, you know, every day, he has this habit of opening the windows towards Jerusalem every day. Everybody knows what Daniel's doing. He's praying in such a way that everybody knows he's giving glory to his God. Let's just make that illegal. What does Daniel do? It's not convenient, but he does it anyway. Opens the windows, takes the same position, and they say, yes, we've got him. And they arrest him, and they, you're going to have to read the rest of the book on your own because I'm not going to finish. And if you haven't become familiar with the story, it's a great story. But what I want to focus on right now is that this, my friends, is Daniel's foundational core system. Now, the secular books that I recommended last week, they have a Different terms, each one of them. The science of habit agrees. When you have a core habit and you're good at this core habit, it will become a habit that you can build off of to affect other habits. 
Some writers call it a keystone habit. Some writers call it the ripple effect. Daniel had this core habit. What was that core habit? It wasn't just prayer. Daniel made the center of his life the authority of God in the word of God and prayer. Now, what you may not understand is that Daniel knew from his history, one of his favorite books, I believe, I can't prove it, one of his favorite books of his Bible was Kings because it was written about the nobility and it's written about the kings and he came out of that and it's their history. And in the middle of this book from Kings, 1 Kings 8, I'm only gonna read one verse, verse 48, in the middle of King Solomon's prayer in the glory days, Solomon had either the wisdom or the prophetic insight to know that the curses of Deuteronomy were gonna actually come about because they would fail before their God and they would enter into exile and Solomon prayed about that and he gave the solution in his prayer and it's recorded in Kings and Daniel hung on to the solution for all 70 years of the exile and beyond it and established a core habit pattern that was the answer to exile. 1 Kings 8.48 reads, And if they turned back to you with all their heart and soul in the land of their enemies who took them captive... And pray to you toward the land you gave their ancestors, and I didn't finish this up there, but toward the city you have chosen and the temple I have built for your name. Then he continues on in that prayer. Then have mercy on them before their enemies and bring them back before you. And Daniel says, that's the solution. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray about it three times a day. And he prayed about it three times a day for over 70 years. And his life has even bigger impact later. So hang on to that. I'm ready to get real practical now with this information. Point number two, how to start a new habit. In the science of habit, there's commonality with how habits work as they describe it. They use different words, but here's the commonality. There's a habit cycle that you can work with to make starting habits work and stopping habits work for you. And the habit cycle includes a cue or a trigger that leads to an action or a routine that leads to a perceived reward, and that's why you do your habit. Bad habits work this way, and good habits work this way as well. The golden rule is take a cue or a trigger and substitute out your bad habit and put in a good habit in its place and keep doing it until it becomes so routine you've rewired yourself. Cue trigger, action routine, and reward. So I'm going to give you some tips on making this work for you to start new habits. We'll start with A. Make it obvious. Make it obvious. So it's not very obvious to say, you know, this year I need to exercise more. That's too vague. It's not obvious enough. So on your outline, everybody's heads bowed, everybody's grabbing a pencil, you're writing this down because it's so important and you're just hanging on to my every word. Okay, well, if you want to write it down, I will do blank the action at this time in or at this location. Think Daniel. I will pray three times a day, morning, noon, and night, and I will base this on God's promises, and I will do this every day, and he made this his keystone habit, his foundational 
habit. And there was the details of, I'm going to open the windows, and just like Solomon said, I'm going to pray towards the temple, which is the place. Now, you need to remember that the temple has been destroyed. The city has been destroyed. But the place that God promised, he still aims his heart and life towards the promise and believes that this prayer is going to work. And it does. And it builds his life. So here's something else you can do to make it obvious. It's related to the cue. I will do blank after I blank. So let me just give you an example. I have, for many, many years, had a prayer and Bible plan, okay? And I constantly adjust that plan to try to tweak my system and make it grow. And I always keep my daily time with God for me separate from my work time, which is for you. And so I need me to grow to help you to grow. And so I would have my blank filled in this way. I will do my Bible and prayer plan after I pour my coffee. You know why? I never miss pouring my coffee. (laughs) Except for through seasons in my life where I thought, you know what, I need to eliminate this where it's not mastering me and then I'll go through the pain of eliminating it, go through a season where I'm not going to be mastered by this and then now i got to have a different cue. Okay? So it's the decaf tea or whatever it is. I will do this after this. So you can do this kind of thing to start new habits. Now, recently, um, this is making it obvious. Recently, I was just in a conversation talking about, I'm I'm starting to forget when I do things. I'm supposed to take this and this and this and this, and there's so many of them now that sometimes, did I take those today? I don't remember. My my lovely mother-in-law bought me one of those pillboxes that have, they're dated. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So here's my... My Saturday night routine now. I fill all the pillboxes and close all the lids, and then I just look at which day is it, and I leave the lid open for that day. Yep, I took that one, and I don't have to guess. Now, that's making it obvious. Now, there's one more step. Make it visible. So I put it next to my coffee. (laughs) I see it, and I'm going to remember. Oh, the lid is up. Oh, no, the lid isn't up yet. And uh, make it visible. That's how you start a new habit. Now, if you wanted to read more this year, how are you going to make it easy? How are you going to make it visible? Maybe the book that you want to be in, maybe it's the Bible. The book that you want to be in, whenever you're going to read it, put it where it's going to be so obvious, you're going to see it. Maybe you have it open and ready. Prepare yourself so that you make it easy and obvious. Stick it on your pillow if it's just reading. I want to read 10 pages a night of, I want to do more than just watch TV. I want to Learn and grow. Stick it on your pillow. Make sure you do your 10 pages before you sleep. Stick it there, okay? Make it obvious. Be on your outline. Make it attractive. Make it attractive. So I'm going to just share a little bit from my life. So I've had years and years of early morning Bible and prayer time, and I work at making it attractive. You know, in Arizona, in the winter, it's dark. It's cold, To make it attractive, I've added some features, not just pour your coffee. There's something else I do before I actually start. I actually build my fire in my fireplace. It's like, "Mm, it's nice and it's warm. (laughs) And literally in the winter, I have it at a different location, closer to my fireplace. Dog on my right, dog on my left, godly dogs. And pray, (laughs) pray with, you know, just have this time, warm fire. Then it gets too hot for them, they find another place. But anyway... I add a attraction to it, make it attractive. 
Now, that's not true for my summer. Summer, I changed my routine. At a certain point in the summer, I keep my Bible time at home. And if it's warm enough, I take it outside. To, there's, I have a bench outside, which is nice. And the birds are going. It's just really attractive. And then I'm going to take the prayer time up on my trail and take my dog on a hike. And then we go up to this little spot and we pray over the valley. And she prays with me, godly dog. Okay. <laughs> so what do you do to make it attractive? Exercise is not real fun for me. And so one thing I've done for years, I'm still having trouble, to make it more attractive is I listen to audiobooks while I exercise. And so I know I have this other goal of getting through X number of books per year. And so I combine goals. This is called habit stacking. Okay? It's a good tool. And it only works if one of the habits is working. Habit stacking does not work if both of them are not working. So habit stack on a habit that works. You know what habit that I have that works? I shower every day. I get feedback when I don't. And so, right? So showering every day is a habit that I already have. So I habit stack. Recently, I got this, I don't know what to call it, but it's a Bluetooth amplifier. Man, it's loud. And so I added worship music during shower. So this thing has to be loud. I mean, it's got to be able to overpower the shower. So I got to shut the the door, the door, and the other door to kind of make sure that the neighbors are okay at O-Dark 40. And the thing, thing's going, and so I'm not just cleaning my body, my soul is like opening up. I'm habit stacking because the shower thing was working, but the worship thing was being neglected, okay? Habit stack. So what's it for you? How are you going to stack? Make it attractive. Oh, we're running out of time, but I'm going to throw some other tips. I've been doing the morning thing so long that I can honestly say it no longer feels like drudgery. Literally, I, if I wake up and it's, a, it's just really, really dark and early, it's like, it's okay. And I have these little tricks. Like if I'm sleepy, I go elbow down, raise myself up, put my legs down, get out of bed. And I say this, man does not live by bread alone. But I switch it. Man does not live by sleep alone. And I know that I'm receiving something. And there are so many times in my time with God where it's like, this is better than fishing. It really is. And some of you guys get up really early and dark to fish because it's so fun for you. This is like fishing. But it's like this way. It's like, and I get this bite. Whoa, I never saw that before. This is so cool. God is just talking to me. And it's about something very personal very or powerful that I can just bring right before you. It's like, I love it when I get a bite. And sometimes, I get a Whopper. Take a look at this one. <laughs> it is so cool to have this thing become that attractive. See on your outline, make it easy. Best way to make it easy is remember, this isn't all on your own effort. Pray. Ask God to help you so that it becomes easier. You might include seeking out a mentor You've been doing this for a while. What should I read next? And then, can we talk about it once in a while? Seek it out. Pray for it. Maybe you want to be a part of a small group. We've been talking about that because that's part of a culture that increases those habits in your life. Add a friend to it or a group. It's going to make it easy. D, make it satisfying. Make it satisfying. Now, honestly, disciplines don't usually satisfy in the early seasons, okay? Give it time. 
And then the satisfaction grows and grows. Warning, warning. As it relates to satisfying and make it satisfying, don't let past good behavior be an excuse for present bad behavior. You're going, huh? Let me just, this out of my experience. All right, I've exercised every day this week, so I'm going to have dessert. It's like those things are working in opposite to each other. Or I read my Bible and prayed every day this week, so I'm going to skip today. It's okay. I'll cruise. Okay? Don't do it. It's rewarding yourself with a bad habit. Why? It takes tremendous amount of rocket fuel to get the rocket off the ground. If you stop the rocket over and over and over again, you're using up so much energy and it feels so frustrating because you never get to the place where you absolutely love it and want to do it because you haven't built any streak or momentum. Momentum is your best friend. Don't let yourself keep missing. If you miss once, get right back to it. If you miss twice, now it's a habit. Get right back to it. Keep the consecutive thing going because that satisfaction grows and grows and grows. Don't reward good behavior with a bad behavior. All winners are trackers. You cannot improve something until you measure it. Professional athletes are particularly good trackers. In fact, they get trainers to track and coaches to track every little detail. Tracking will revolutionize your life. So if you want to get the habit of prayer and Bible reading into your life, Track it. Now, I happen to, my favorite Bible, I don't have it in my pocket, is my version Bible. Because it tracks my plan, and it tracks my history without me thinking about it. Here's something cool. I'm 51 days into, 51 days in my New Year's resolution. Wait, wait, we're only two weeks into New Year's. I know, and I'm 51 days into it because I started early. And I've had two perfect weeks. And this is tracking it for me, and it's motivating to stay with that chain and keep that chain going because the more consistent you are, the more satisfying it becomes. Would you let me pray with you? Lord, we thank you for examples like Daniel who lived a life of consistency that you were honored by and you were able to do so many things with. I pray that you'd help us to see ourselves as Daniel possibilities, that we would not minimize the power of these small beginnings that take place today. Bless our efforts that you can take it and make them build into many, many more systems that bring you glory and honor. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. We have a prayer team to the right of the stage. It's for any kind of prayer need you might have. Take advantage of that. If you'd like to have your load lifted a little bit, go get prayer. Hope to see you next week for Stopping Habits Week 3.